Hey fuckers, what up? It's Christina Hutchinson and Corinne Fisher. You're about to listen to a clip from our show, guys. We fuck the anti slut shaming podcast. Uh, on this episode, we do an interview with Dr. Anna Salter. Uh, we talk. This is a heavy one. I'm yeah. I'm going to be like, we talk about fun stuff. No, we don't. We talk about treating child sex offenders. But it's a conversation that no one wants to have. And it was. It literally took us like a decade to even get a guest who has a level of expertise in this. So I highly recommend you listen if you want the world to be a better place. And if if not, it's completely on you uh, to mm-hmm. hear the entire episode. You can subscribe uh, to Luminary and you can now do it through app, the Apple uh, app. It's apple.co slash GWF. That's apple.co slash GWF. First of all, what constitutes somebody as a high risk sex offender? According to the law, to be put in a civil commitment program in most states, you have to have a diagnosis that predisposes you to commit sexual offenses. For example, depression does not, schizophrenia typically does not, but pedophilia does. Mm -hmm. And you have to be more likely than not to Mm reoffend. Okay. And so what do you, what measurements do you use to assess this? Now a whole field has grown up of assessment measures, but uh, they all have one glaring problem. And that is they measure the likelihood of getting caught. They don't measure the likelihood of reoffending. Because you said you've gotten uh, letters, emails from people all over the world. The truth is somewhere between 10 to 18 percent of children, of girls uh, who are sexually abused ever tell anyone during their childhoods. Mm. In fact, even adult rape only roughly about 14% of people who are sexually assaulted actually go to the police. The police send about 30% of those on to prosecution. And the bottom line is that maybe one to 2% of rapists get convicted. Right. Yeah. It's such stat. It's so staggering. We received so many emails from people who were raped or for people who were molested that I, I ended up um, signing up for this program at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. It's one of the few public hospitals that the city has. There's a volunteer advocate program where uh, you get trained for 40 hours to essentially be a part of a person's medical team who comes into the ER for domestic violence or sexual assault. And they, they went over as part of this training, the, like the Manhattan DA came in and explained to us all these, one of the, one of the main ch- uh, changes since the Me Too movement resurfaced was that they keep the DNA kits. You don't mm-hmm. have to press charges if you get one, which in New York City, mm-hmm. that, that had recently changed. And they can keep your kit for uh, 20 years. So you have that long to do anything about it. So that's, that was at least nice. But my God, so why... <laughs> I'm so kind of obsessed with uh, why does this happen? Like there's, I'm sure I know that there's a number of factors and one of them is that we're not talking about it, but my curiosities kind of led me to this place where I wanted to talk to offenders. I, we haven't, we've received emails from them because I made it known statistically somebody listening to this podcast has to have been a sexual offender, had to have raped somebody like statistically. And we did receive some anonymous emails, some guys creating fake email accounts to tell us a little bit about what went into it. And it, it oddly seemed like they wanted someone to talk to about it. That wasn't going to call the cops on them immediately. Because I'm like, if you just throw people in jail, you're not getting to the bottom of it. But some people need to be in jail. Right. Yeah. Because some people are going to keep on doing it if they're 
if they're not put in jail. There are uh, two main tap roots. There are other tap roots, but the big ones are there are some men who are just sexually attracted to children. Right. When you talk to them, and, and by now I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of offenders, when you talk to him, them, they don't understand it any more than we do. But when they were 10, 11, 12, 13, and other boys were getting sexually attracted to girls or to boys their age, mm-hmm. they were sexually attracted to little kids. Okay. It is very, there is no reason to suppose that all of them molest kids. Right. And when I train on this, I say, can, is there anybody in this room that has never had an inappropriate sexual thought? Of course, no one raises their hands. And I, and I say, raise your hands. Uh, you're psychotic. And there are psychologists outside with heavy medication for you. But the truth is everybody uh, admits that they've had an appropriate sexual thought. So I say, what keeps you from coming on to your sister's husband? Mm-hmm. You know, you're attracted to him. And there's a whole list of breaks of things that happen, you know, consequences, empathy for your sister, love for your sister, you know, what, whatever, whatever, whatever. Sure. We don't act on every sexual impulse. We make decisions. Now, these guys, the guys that I deal with are not the ones who have an attraction to children and think it's reprehensible. And never act on it. The ones I see are the ones who have 10 sexual convictions because they chose to act on it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is there's a new movement to normalize minor attracted children. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It is true that you can't control who you're attracted to, but right. it is not true that you can't control what you act on. Mm-hmm. We do it. Right. Every, every single day. Sure. So one of the two tap roots is sexual attraction to children. They could see Angela Jolie walking down the street with a three-year-old and their eyes might sweep immediately to the three-year-old. Uh, and, and they might start having very graphic sexual thoughts. Look at that little kid. I bet his buttocks are so yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. yada, yada. This show is sponsored by Better Help. Getting stuff off your chest is incredible. It's so therapeutic. We all carry around different stressors. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. A lot of them are very big. Uh, But we keep them bottled up, and it could start affecting us negatively. And then we act like a jerk to the people we love. And we're like, this is not how I want to be. Therapy has saved my life personally. There are so many benefits of it. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Although if you have experienced major trauma, highly recommend. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. The second taproot, major taproot, is antisocial attitudes and behaviors and and beliefs. So uh, one of the slides that I use when I train, I do, you know, obviously I do a lot of training on this. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, something about 
Um, I wasn't going to ask women for sex anymore. My days of begging to hit on their pussies was over. Mm. So all the things that matter to most of us, like whether the other person is attracted to us right. or not. I mean, there's a billion dollar cosmetic industry because mm-hmm. everybody wants to be attracted to look nice, to have someone be attracted to them. For most of us, having a someone who wants to throw up the thought of having sex with us is not a turn on. That's right. a very bad moment in time. Yeah. yeah. There for these guys, for some of them, they don't care mm-hmm. what the other person wants, child or adult. They mm-hmm. want sex. They have no concept of reciprocity. They would define reciprocity as begging, having to get permission. Wow. That's the punishment to them. Yes. Having to ask, well, I am a man. Why should I have to ask? I, and, and not even asking, why should I have to beg? They right, consider right. It, and real men, real men don't beg. So anti-social attitudes and beliefs and behaviors are a second tap root. So what often happens is when a mayor is arrested or a Jerry Sandusky is arrested or or someone who is prominent is arrested, people have a great deal of trouble believing it. The miracle in the Sandusky case was that there was an adult witness. Had that just been children, Mm. it could have very easily been a very different story right because people assume that all sex offenders are antisocial criminals and if you're a minister if you're a uh, coach if you're a prominent person in the community if you are a nice person you couldn't possibly be a sex offender and that's because they don't understand that there are two tap roots you can as we know be a priest and be a sex offender. Now those priests aren't out stealing hubcaps on the weekends. They are, they are not generally criminals. They are people who have a sexual attraction to children and who decide uh, to act on it. Mm -hmm. How? Well, I have a question quick. Do you, do you only uh, deal with an interview with men who exhibit these behaviors or have you ever cross come across a a woman uh, who exhibits these behaviors that like, you know, begging is punishment or that they shouldn't have to, they should just be owed sex. Cause I know we see it a lot more in men, but. See a lot more men, especially in civil commitment. Right. Uh, There's a lot of research to show that the, the same behaviors, it is, in a, that will get a man convicted, will not get a woman convicted. Uh, People wow. have a great deal of trouble believing a woman could commit a sexual offense. And they have done mm-hmm. vignettes with people where all they change is the name and the sex of the offender. And uh, it's the differences are astounding in terms of they don't think the women should go to jail for the same offense. Or they will recommend, you know, half the number amount of prison time oh, wow. for the women. Uh, all the facts in these vignettes are exactly the same. The okay. only difference is whether it's male or female. So we don't have any in the civil commitment program that I do evaluations for now in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have any women who came in as women. Now we have a couple of trans mm-hmm. uh, trans women 
in the program, but who committed the offenses uh, when they uh, before they decided to transition. Okay. Interesting. And what kinds of things when when you meet with these people? You said you you meet you will meet with upwards of three offenders a week to talk about what? No, what no, you, a month. Oh, a month. So, <laughs> what do you guys talk about? Like, do you do deep dives into their experience and their inner workings? Well, my job is to determine if they're ready for transition to the community or release. Well, that's a so, big. Oh, that's a big one. Oh yes. <laughs> and how do you find that is there does it lean one way or the other that most of them are or are not and what are what are your criteria like what are the things that you look out for uh when you talk to them about this well let me go back a second talk about the interview and then i'll be happy to talk about that but i ask them about their offenses i want to see that they've taken responsibility for them okay. that their reports match the victim's reports oh. and and they often do not, <laughs> even years after they've been in treatment, they often mm-hmm. do not. Yeah. Um, I want to know uh, what they're learning in treatment. I want to know, uh, I ask a bunch of relapse prevention questions about what's the single most important thing in preventing relapse. I go through a series of, uh, you know, what are risky situations for you? What kind of people are risky for you? How would you handle this? How would you handle that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I go through a series of 16 dynamic risk factors, such as sexual attraction to kids, sexual preoccupation, uh, attraction to sexual violence. We do have sadists in this world who are aroused by inflicting pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ask them about how they justified their behavior. There's a whole list of 16. So I have a, I have a protocol for interviewing them and try to get at what their thinking processes are and how much change they've made. I believe, and, and I, I, this is not an exact figure, but of about 138 men in the program, I think we have 14 in transition. It's, mm-hmm. it's something, uh, something like that. So no, not everybody. And, and some of the guys have been there 15 years. Can they be reformed? Because uh, I would imagine if I'm being interviewed by you and you're asking me if I'm sexually attracted to kids and I want to get the hell out of jail, I would say, of course not. Or, you know, I would I would lie. Of course you would. Yeah. Uh, which is why we use uh, something called the plethysmograph and the ABLE screen, which directly measures sexual interest to pictures of kids. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I was like, there, you has, can't, to, you can't deny there has to be something erection. more than the honor system yeah. going on here. Yeah, there that has to be. More and the polygraph. <laughs> And we use the polygraph and we compare okay. what they say to, to, to those, uh, you know, to the, to what, how they perform on, on those both tests. Of those, okay. So uh, of course you would lie. And uh, I won't pretend this isn't a pressured job. I think it's a very difficult and pressured job, Yeah. but uh, I can't say any more than you could or, or even an offender could whether someone is absolutely going to reoffend or not. Sure. But the criteria under the law is less likely than not or more likely than not. Okay. Mm. So you have to understand if we let somebody out who has a 30% chance of reoffending, not that we can be that exact because we honestly can't, mm-hmm. uh, out of every three, one of those is going to reoffend. Right, right. Statistically speaking. It, but it, the law is correct in that that's the only question we can answer. 
Sure. Yeah, and somewhat imperfectly at that. What up, fuckers? I hope you enjoyed that excerpt from our interview with Dr. Anna Salter. If you want to hear the whole thing and entire episodes of Guys Who Fucked, head on over to apple.co slash GWF. That is right. You can get a Luminary subscription on Apple Podcasts. So go to apple.co slash GWF. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.